Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Here we are, after post-COVID, in a yeah, post-PC yeah. world. <laughs> How are you feeling after your bout of COVID? Yeah, I, I've bounced back slowly, man. Yeah. To be honest, I was pretty crook the first week. Yeah. As the video will, you know, attest. It looked like you fever. were, like, going through some spiritual warfare <laughs> during the video. Yeah, I was pretty feverish when yeah. I filmed it. Like, but, you know, it is what it is. That was, like, the funny thing, hey, I think that, like, there's been the, um, sort of these, um, language and dialogue about, like, don't catch COVID, don't catch mm. COVID, because you'll die. Like, that is really, like, what the, the fear in the news is. But it's, like, also, it just really sucks to have COVID, even if you're alive with it. Like, yeah. the fevers and the coughs and the, it was pretty intense. Yeah, I, I don't know, did you lose lots of energy? I lost energy. I had like fever dreams. I had like weird sort of hallucinogenic <laughs> fever dreams. It was weird, man. Messed yeah. with my head. So yeah, I didn't have that. I just had missed out, man. It was, yeah. a, it was a it was a roller coaster. My, my teeth chattered the first night. Like I was sort I of did in not bed have bed teeth chattering, like that sort of oh. yeah. But I was like hot and cold at the same time. I couldn't decide mm. if I needed a blanket or yeah. No, it was that. It was <laughs> that like thing. proper sick fever. Yeah. 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 And then even last week, just super lethargic. That's probably yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll have to excuse us today, guys. There may be an occasional <clears throat> throat clearing <laughs> in there. It's this weird thing where it's like we are now negative, but yeah. still this have this cough which is lingering. Yeah, it feels like someone's got a feather in the back of your yeah. throat. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like tickling. You're like, ah, oh, make it stop. Totally, yeah. totally. So I mean. what was your sort of? Like, while you were down, under the weather, mm. what's your, like, little comfort thing to help you oh. when you're feeling under the weather? Uh, I actually watch some TV. You say that like it's, you know, <laughs> such a decadent thing to I, do. No, yeah, I, I watched all the Lord of the Rings movies. That was Oh, fun. yeah. You watched all three? I watched all three, yeah. And The, the Cross... Hobbit? Nah, I can't stand Just... The Hobbit. It's terrible. <laughs> well, there's so many Christian themes in The Lord of the Rings. So it's... Yeah. Interesting watching it again. It just mm. kind of plays into the spiritual warfare thing we're talking about. There's but you a got lot this of warfare. Idea, in yeah, you got this idea of this evil ring that needs to be destroyed and mm. the forces of good and evil. Mm. There's just lots of old school values. Mm. There's so, even yeah. that scene when they're in, you'll have to help me here. What's mm. the elvish city? Elven? Oh, I can't remember the names. Come on, <laughs> mate. You call yourself a Tolkien fan. <laughs> uh, well, when they're in that elven city yeah, yeah. that... And there's like, you have my sword and my oh, bow and my axe. Yeah, I feel like that's cool. like kind of feeds into the Ephesians like it does a bit, yeah. passage today. And like, then even the whole, um, like the, at the end, they go on the boat to like heaven, the equivalent mm. of like elvish heaven and mm. you know, call, calling out like, like, like in the return of the king, it's like this big final battle, almost like revelation sort of language. The whole mm. world's here to fight against evil and... Mm. Remind me a bit of, it's interesting, because the Ukraine, obviously, the invasion had just really started when we got COVID. Sure. And 
in two, the two towers, the king of I can't remember, I don't remember names. Just they, one of the kings that he was helping Aragon fight, and he's bemoaning that another city hasn't come to help him. And mm. I was like, yeah, like that was that old school kind of values, like good gets together to fight evil, yeah. regardless of. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was no NATO, like, handicapping <laughs> yes. people from helping. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> no NATO in Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah. It's really quite black and white in some ways. Evil needs to be destroyed. Mm. And ultimately, good does overcome, even when it seems like evil is really powerful. Mm. Like, at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo and the Hobbits are getting chased by the, the Black Riders. Mm. And I remember seeing that as a kid 20 years ago. I saw that. Oh man, yeah. that's making me feel. Yeah, no. I remember and, yeah, seeing it just, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just being like really terrified of that mm. as a kid, and so it, it creates this real sense that evil can seem all powerful or yeah. consuming, but ultimately mm. it's defeated. And and even the ring, like you see the the consequences on Gollum. Well, that's a great sort of parable for what evil does. Like mm. even though it disfigures him completely, mm. it makes him inhuman mm. he still craves it and that's kind of what Satan wants I guess for humans is to break our image of God mm. for us not to be created in the image that God intended for us but mm. to be something that's perverse so he loves it when people are addicted to drugs porn sex whatever it is or alcohol. power even yeah. I mean there's great power <clears throat> in that ring yeah. right that sort of earthly and there's like a supernatural power to it. Yeah, it's like yeah. turning invisible, right? Mm. So, mm. The thing I was just thinking about as you were talking about that, because I found out recently, fun fact, yeah. J.K. Rowling, writer of Harry Potter, yeah. is actually a Christian. Really? I had no idea. Does that blow your mind? It does. Because she got accused of like being some like satanic witch. Yeah, okay. And like, so in the like final Harry Potter book, Harry dies and yeah. like is resurrected before he can truly defeat Voldemort. Okay. But anyway, I go okay. on that tangent. <laughs> Because the Dementors in yeah. Harry Potter are kind of a little bit of a like, they're inspired by the Death Riders. Definitely, there's yeah, definitely she's yeah. she's I think very she would admit that there's yeah. a bit of inspiration there from Tolkien's mm. writings, um, and it's interesting that in both sort of universes, there's this deep connection between like just pure evil mm. and death. Mm. Which is kind of interesting because that's a really biblical idea and something that I think in the secular world we maybe separate those two things. Mm. Death is maybe seen as just a natural part of the human condition and life and evil is seen as maybe something else. And this intertwining of death and evil Mm. is something that we see like on the first pages of the Bible. Well, it's really interesting. Um, Jumping ahead to East, I've been reading. And when Jesus is in the garden, like crying yeah saying you know remove this cup from me yeah not your will not my will but yours be done yeah there's this sense of like jesus is weeping and this is one commentator argued because of the death that's about he's about to you know, receive yeah and it's like death is a perversion it's an enemy paul talks about death being the final enemy and so there's yeah. this link with death and evil which yeah. obviously is part of the curse of this world Interesting. Uh, it is interesting. So we're talking about kind of spiritual warfare mm. today. And I think that spiritual warfare is something which... I think it's a fascinating thing because I think that it is an intrinsic part of a Christian walk, mm. right? Trying to continue to, to be aligned with the way of Christ. 
Um, but I think that it can kind of be over-mysticised a bit mm. at the same time. How would you, like, in a sweet little, like, dictionary definition, <laughs> what would you say spiritual warfare is? Uh, I actually would argue it as being... Actually picking up your cross daily, mm. in one sense, because there's one of the dangers with spiritual warfare is that you see a demon under every rock and every corner... But it's also the other danger too is not acknowledging the spiritual warfare, and so I, I see it as part of that. And it's it's crude, but you know, like Hollywood has the good angel on one sure. side and the devil. Yeah, yeah. In some sense, I see it as part of that. Like we're obviously we're responsible for our own choices. Sure. But Satan will be there, helping to tempt us, to distract us, to discourage us, whatever. Almost like dangling the the bait. Sure. so to speak. And so I see that as spiritual warfare is the idea of picking up your cross. Like with Jesus in the wilderness, yep. he's being tempted and he keeps going back to scripture. Yep. And so that idea is like, okay, when you... And even Paul talks about no temptation can overcome you. You know, he gives us the strength to yeah. endure. Yeah, God will never kind of yeah. give you more temptation than you can handle. handle. Yeah. And even Jesus, like he, he's the great high priest who's able to empathise with our weaknesses. He was mm. tempted in all ways sure. as we are, and that's quite comforting. It's like, in all ways. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. He, he knows what this feels like. And so, but he keeps his eyes focused on the mission, except for so his father. I want to backtrack for a second, because yeah, yeah. you said something <clears throat> which I think is really interesting. Mm. You mentioned these two polarities yeah. of the danger of mm. maybe going too black or too yeah. white and not finding the grey of mm. spiritual warfare. So the first one that you spoke about, I'd love to just hear you yeah, yeah. extrapolate <clears throat> a bit more on yeah. this. So you, on one side, have the danger of seeing a demon under every rock. Mm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, in the sense, there's some Christians out there who I suppose their intention is to you know, fight against evil, see sure. evil just everywhere. They almost yeah. give Satan too much power. Mm. So... Yeah, it's any kind of decision that's made. There might be Satan might be affecting it. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give you a story that's probably easier than explaining it. I, I had a friend. He's a pastor, and he married a wife who came from a very conservative background. Uh, he had lots of Star Wars toys, which yeah, he kept okay. as a kid. Now his wife equated Star Wars with the devil, mm. and then one day thought, "Oh, our house is under oppression. Oh, it's these Star Wars toys." And so it's she the threw Yoda them all figurine. out. Yeah. yeah, she threw them all out. And so I'd say that as a bit of a that's mm. probably looking under demons under every rock. Like mm. the figurines in themselves have no power. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Totally. Like it's yeah, yeah. So that's how I'd say it. It's like just looking into things that aren't really yeah. there. Yeah. Now. At the same time, too, there are objects which resonate evil, which sounds odd. So say like sure. a statue to some sort of false god. Yeah, or if you just got like a Ouija board that. just yeah, in the yeah. kitchen, like, sure, like, you're like... Is... And I've heard stories of, like, friends I went to school with who messed around with Ouija boards and some pretty crazy things happened in sure. the house. Like, sure, And th these weren't people that were spiritual. These are, like, secular people who thought it was a joke. Yeah. And then they're freaked out of... You know, heard stories of beds being thrown up in the air and yeah. kids. Yeah, I had some youth kids who weren't Christians and they mucked around the Ouija board and they were, like, genuinely terrified. Mm. And I had to, like, have this whole conversation around yeah. 
power of darkness and Jesus overcoming that. So yeah, yeah. and not that you'd ever encourage anybody to do that, but mm. maybe for someone who doesn't realize that there's a spiritual world, like maybe a profound it's revelation. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, there's something more Out than there. just yeah, yeah. flesh and bone, you know. Yeah. There's um there's a missiologist called Paul Hebert mm. and he wrote an article, I think it was in the seventies, called the the floor of the excluded middle. And so he, what he, what he argued is that in the Western world, for Christians, we sort of see God up here in heaven and humans down here on earth. Yeah. And he so says there's actually this realm between the two, which mm. he called the, ex, the excluded middle, which is where you get angels yep. and, and demons sure. interacting. And he says for the, most of, for the rest of the world, they, they understand that there's these spiritual beings that interact yep. and they have an impact on daily life. Us as Christians... A lot of us here in the West, we don't sort of... We just know God's up there. Sure. And some of us even have yeah. the view of the divine watchmaker. He just turned up the watch and God sort of left us to our own devices. Yeah. There's yeah. no sort of interplay yeah. with that. Which probably <clears throat> leads us into the other polarity, yes. which is one side is a demon under every rock. Yeah. The other one is there's almost, dare I say, a platonic dissonance. Yes. Like this idea that spirit, like soul and flesh are completely detached from each mm. other. There is no sort of Venn diagram crossover there. Yes. So, I mean, I suppose that's probably what we're more guilty yes. of as a average Westerner. There's definitely mm. some maybe very... <laughs> Um, mystical, let's say, yeah. you know, Westerners who yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. overemphasize the, you know, spirituality of things sometimes. But what does that look like when the two worlds are just completely detached and there's no connection between the two in our own eyes? Well, I think too, you wouldn't believe really in spiritual warfare. You'd be quite dismissive of that. Sure. Um, human choices are human choices. There's, yeah, and depending on how far you go, even perhaps. God answering prayer, it's sort of, it's not going to change things. It's almost like, I've met some extreme people which are like, well, God's already foreordained everything, so you don't sort of worry about, you sure, know, sure. things like prayer. It's or a great like this. way to, like, justify your apathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, too, so say, look, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example of someone. I've never really met someone that's never believed in it. I think. A lot of Christians just sort of know about... Mm. Like, if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus cast out demons. It's, sure. sort, of, it's sort of like cerebral knowledge, but in terms of... Because, you know, we don't see it on a daily basis. It's not something we're probably aware of, mm. that there's forces of darkness trying to disrupt mm. God's kingdom. And if you're in ministry, you'll face spiritual warfare. And it may not manifest itself in, like, a demonic attack. But yeah. it seemed like... It, with like Three pastors plus Angie catching COVID. That week, Craig's mum was really unwell. He had his eye problems. Like, th these aren't, like, just, you know, random things. There sure. seems to be something happening here. Sure. In the, at the very least, it would make sense yeah. that that those um, almost, you know, serendipitous yeah. amount <laughs> of things happening at the same time would be beneficial to a spiritual force that is trying to stop yeah. the centre, spread the kingdom yeah. of Jesus. <laughs> and, and even, um, uh, look, this is really hard. Like, it's really fine balance between, the, I don't, like, mental health and spiritual warfare, but it's interesting that many great heroes of the faith suffered severe depression. Mm. 
Uh, now, King Saul's not an example. He's not a beacon of righteous behavior, but yeah. it's interesting Saul was oppressed by a spirit that made him feel depressed, and it was David who played the harp. Sure. Almost like a proto-Jesus. Mm. Like, that's what Jesus do as the greatest son of David and remove mm. Satan. That's mm. what David did. He played his harp. Saul mm. felt better. And so I think there's a bit of a connection that, like, you often see a lot of um, ministry workers are tired, burnt out, stressed, mm. depressed. Now, how much of that is sort of brain chemistry happening? Mm. How much of it's spiritual? And as Westerners, it's hard to kind of grasp this, but from a biblical perspective, every action is supernatural. Mm. So when Job is attacked by Satan, he doesn't go, oh, woe is me, Satan did this, it's all from the hand of God. And so that, that's what I think I said in the talk, there's a mystery about spiritual warfare. There's, it's a deep, profound mystery, mm. like prayer itself. Like, God allows Satan to do this. There's this sort of leash, so to speak, that he can act on. Well, yeah. Well, like, let's, let's talk about that, because yeah. I think this idea of spiritual <laughs> attack somewhat having a mysterious mm. element to it. You kind of spoke before about... Uh, Jesus in the garden, yes. sort of yeah, almost yeah. being tested yeah. um, in a way. I, I have, you know, heard commentators draw allusions all the way back to Genesis yeah, and well, the idea of Adam and Eve <coughs> being tested. Well, particularly in John's account, sure. It's, yeah, deliberate Jesus is. Um, a new yeah. Adam. Yeah, a new Adam. And he's in a garden. Yeah. Like it's really deliberate. Yeah. It's, and John's whole gospel is presented as anarchologos in yeah. the beginning was yeah, the yeah. word. Right. It's yeah. Genesis language, there's seven signs, seven I am statements, yeah. all that. So there's definitely this imagery he's trying to draw out as Jesus being the new Adam. So that temptation is like... Yeah. Yeah. So in that you've got, got mm. this sort of idea from the very beginning then that mm. um, John's drawing back to mm. of this figure of the serpent yes. being a personification of, of spiritual warfare, of temptation, of, of trial and testing. Um, how does that sort of find its way throughout sort of the, the, the biblical narrative? Because yeah. I know you've got this idea... <coughs> Um, of Jesus in the garden mm. and you've got this idea of Adam and Eve in the garden, the serpent testing yeah. them. You, how, how does this kind of find its way yeah. throughout the biblical narrative between those two yeah. points? Yeah, well, we actually have to go back to Genesis 1 verse 2. Like, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now then, 1, 2 says, and the earth was out form and void and darkness over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Mm -hmm. Now there's Look, we just don't know. It's speculative. But in the ancient world, waters represented evil. And so whatever form that is, the, the tohu, which is the Hebrew word for chaos or wilderness, desert, this sea, it's a place of evil and God's hovering over that. And so in, I grew up in a church that sort of suggested that at that time there was a battle in heaven. Something happened. Mm. And so there's one theory, which isn't biblical at all, that... The <laughs> it should be noted. It's, it's not biblical, not biblical yes. All. It's biblical. It's speculative. Before we get any hate mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all... Even the author is talking about it. He goes, yeah, I don't really believe this, but here's one sort of theory, is okay. that there might have been this spiritual battle before 
the world was created, mm-hmm. and that's part of this chaos yep. that was left out. Anyway, the point is, we just don't know. Sure. But sea represented evil, and God's mm. hovering over the waters. God speaks, there's light, and even the separating of the waters mm. and all that, and even the whole there was evening and morning. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's this hint that evil is still present somehow yeah. it's contained well john's drawing allusions to the idea of light and dark yeah. in the very beginning of his book where he's like talking about you know the lightness penetrating the yeah, darkness yeah. you know and because if you jump to the end of the bible revelation talks about no darkness and no sea mm. at the beginning we've got sea and which yeah sea and darkness and so it, while genesis the genesis one there's no battles between God and other gods as like the other ancients thought the creation was. Mm. Sometimes allusions to Yahweh fighting, say, Rahab, who is a sea creature, like they, go, they tap into this metaphorical language of Yahweh fighting against the sea as a way to say he's overcome evil. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of there at the beginning, this sort of sea's here. And then we get the serpent that's crafty. Mm. And just sort of the servant just appears, yeah. And from a text perspective, like where does serpent come from? (laughs) Yeah, and like why does it talk? (laughs) Yeah, there's all these questions, and so this is the danger. Did it have legs? (laughs) Yeah. Was it maybe more of like a komodo dragon? Yeah. (laughs) Or even the leg thing—that's a way of saying you'll be like defeated. Eating dust is not necessarily literally eating dust, but it's a way of like you know death. Yeah. this is you're defeating you're defeated like you've lost your power so to speak and so it is sort of odd and this is why you get these sort of theories and quite speculative theories about was there a battle before the earth was created yeah, and yeah. some sort of fall of angels and what what data that happened and all that the text just doesn't answer that but we know that there is this serpent creature who is cunning mm. and who adam and Eve shouldn't have listened to because the hierarchy of humans are humans are given, I said this on Sunday, humans are given dominion over the animals and the plants and the earth mm. and so therefore they're to rule over them and the, the order is flipped, they mm. listen to the serpent and therefore, it's interesting when Satan tempts Jesus, he says hey if you bow down before me, all this I'll give to you and the Bible also talks about Satan being the prince of the world mm-hmm. and and there's some truth to that. Adam almost, well, he didn't almost, he actually gave up the right of humans to rule over the earth. He mm. gave it to the serpent. Mm. Now, obviously, God's in control, but the earth itself has mm. been given to humans. And Psalm 8 talks about that. What is man that you're mindful of him? Well, the son of man, mm. he cared for him. You made him a little lower than all than the angels, and you mm. crowned him in glory, honor, and given everything in subjection under his feet. Mm. And so that's what Jesus come. He's come as the true Adam to reclaim that authority from Satan. And so, and then it's no accident that Jesus, Yeshua, is, we got a Yeshua in the Old Testament, Joshua. Mm-hmm. He fights Canaanites physically. And that's, uh, I guess, a physical representation of a spiritual battle that's going on. Yahweh sure. versus Baal. And, but Jesus comes not fighting humans. He comes fighting against the forces of darkness, casting mm. out demons to restore the world mm. back to where a human is ruling over the animals. Hence mm. that curse in Genesis, you're going to crush 
your head, but he will bruise your heel. Is it in so, John that um, Jesus is like praying in the wilderness and like these, there's this illusion of like animals being around him as oh, well? So that's Mark. That's Mark. Mark. That's Mark. That's Mark. Yeah, that's um. So there's a book by Richard Balcom mm. because it's called Living with Other Creatures, and he unpacks this whole theology of Jesus being. Uh, like Isaiah 11, mm. like the lion and the lamb, yeah, and like a Noah, because Noah, what? Sure. Look, Noah's ark's hard to unpack because <laughs> how do the animals fit on? And yeah. anyway, the text is interested in that, but it's showing Noah does he can rule and subdue over the animals. Mm. And if we read it, you know, as the text says, all the animals are on there, even lions and sheep. And so there's this sort of harmony. Mm. And Isaiah 11 picks on that. The lion, yeah, will lie with the sheep, and the, mm. you know. The viper, and that's what G- that's what Mark is alluding to. Yeah, and yeah, that's what Balcom unpacks. It's amazing this little verse. <laughs> he unpacks a whole chapter yeah, on it. Yeah. So, well, that's fascinating as well with Noah because once again you've got that illusion of water and flood mm. and death and darkness and chaos and uncertainty, and then sort of you know God bringing it back in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I-, I would love to <laughs> just quickly chat about. This idea, because we, I suppose Ephesians 6 was, or the 6, 11 to 17, was sort of your core focus Mm. um, of this sermon about spiritual warfare. Um, And there's so much just provocative imagery that Paul Mm. gives us in these few passages here. Um, I couldn't help but think, um, and again, it's partly speculative, but... There is this idea of correlation between different parts of the body and different attributes mm. within this, like, sort of a helmet of salvation. Yeah. I couldn't help but think when you're talking about King Saul and this sort of depression that comes yeah. upon him, and then David comes as a sort of proto Jesus and almost lifts that mm. through, you know, salvation, like saving yeah. him. What, what do you see as some correlations in this passage between what, what, what's maybe some little bits of gold that we can get in these passages on different elements of armour and, and um, yeah. weapons and, and how they correlate to those almost qualities mm. that Paul's attributing them to? Yeah. Um, so let's go through each part. So put on the full armour of God. Um, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Mm. Now, yeah, Keep your this, pants up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, before we record, started recording, looking at Isaiah 11, and so this reference to Jesus coming, and it says, the Messiah coming, I should say, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So it's like this whole, like his whole identity is wrapped yeah. in this. Um, and it seems like Paul is saying, so let's just say with truth. Yeah. Yeah, obviously we know what the belt does, hold things up. Well, truth does, you need truth to hold. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's where you hold the sword. Yeah, yeah. Right? So the idea that maybe, and again, this is like a little bit meditative and yeah, speculative. Yeah, yeah. This is maybe not what Paul was referring to, but maybe it was, yeah, who yeah. knows? But I like this image of truth mm. is the thing that holds the word secure in place. Yeah, yeah. And it's the truth, that this, this belt of truth, mm. is where the sort of the word is pulled from <laughs> to fight. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It is. And then you got the breastplate of righteousness. And so breastplates protect your, your heart. heart. And so as I, as I 11 passage said, there's this idea that, that righteousness is around the Messiah and therefore we need to be wrapped in righteousness mm. around our heart. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a proverb. I can't remember which proverb it is, but it's like guard your heart because your 
actions flow out from it. Oh, that's quick to look it up. Yeah. Guard your heart. So I think there could be something there. If your heart is protected with righteousness. Proverbs 4, 23 yeah. says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like that idea because, like, I think ultimately this idea of the heart being protected by righteousness. Mm. I think that, like, the the heart is obviously the the organ of emotion yeah, that yeah. we kind of you know connect to, yeah. and this idea that you are not going to be able to be dr- led astray through mm. you know emotion, whether it's you know anger, lust, you know, mm. wh- whether it's even vengeance, you know. That won't happen if you are covering it in a breastplate of righteousness and trying to be righteous in everything you do. Mm. That's kind of cool. It is really cool. Um, And then we go on. It has here, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Mm. Now, I'm trying to find the reference in Isaiah. It'll probably come to me, but it talks about how beautiful the feet are those who bring good news. Mm, That seems to be that imagery. I didn't realise this, that Paul probably was riffing off Isaiah a lot here. Mate, he's just plagiarising Isaiah. (laughs) Here we are, like, giving Paul all these props, and he's not even footnoting Isaiah. (laughs) Honestly, Mauling would have failed him. Uh, Um, That's super cool. I love that. No, I just got to find where that reference is. This is my problem, dear church viewers. (laughs) I'm very big picture. I remember... The, you know, the gist of passages, where they come from. Um, yeah, how beautiful are those um, the feet? Yeah, Isaiah 52, 7. 52, okay. Yeah, so how beautiful on the mountains. Yeah. So again, that's sort of elevated <clears throat> yeah, from yeah, the yeah. sea, elevated from the, the darkness and the chaos. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, which is mm, the gospel, yeah. right? That is the good yeah, yeah. news, who proclaim peace. So again, yeah, yeah. the fit, yeah, fitted with mm. which bring peace, uh, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That's mm. super cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, I, out of all of the things that we've spoken about so far, I think that Isaiah 52, 7, 100%. Yeah, I reckon yeah, that's yeah. a correlation. Because, yeah. like, the sandals of, like, mm. good news and peace. Yep. I reckon 100%. Yep. I reckon he's got it from that. Which, would you say then, like, I'm kind of yeah. looking at it from a slightly scholarly mm. point of view, right? If we're trying to see correlations in other passages of Scripture, mm. if we see Paul riffing that part from Isaiah... Would it be then fair to maybe go, okay, what other parts in Isaiah do we see? Yeah. Is, it, is that kind of a I fair thing it, to do? Yeah, he would be, I suppose to Paul as like a, a rabbi, essentially, sure. a Pharisee, he'd be soaked in Old Testament He may be doing it subconsciously. Yeah, he like he's even, just, yeah. and we kind of do this all the time. We refer to different sort of ideas subconsciously sure. just because they're part of our cultural yeah. landscape. Yeah, like yeah. I'll, I don't know. Lock it in Eddie. I do say that one a bit. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's part of... Like, I'm not thinking about who wants to be mm. a millionaire, but it's yeah. just part of... I reckon if there's... I reckon there's kids now who, like, know Lock it in Eddie, but don't know who yeah, Eddie McGuire is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. so, okay, so we've got the um, sandals of mm. the gospel of peace. What's the next one that we've got? Uh, in addition to take up the shield of faith, mm. which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Yeah, can't think of anything from Isaiah off the top of my head about that. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I fair in assuming what kind of shield is, is Paul probably referring to? Like, what are his readers thinking when he yeah, says they'd shield? be thinking a Roman shield. Like a big, like, f- yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, toe to, yeah. to head. <laughs> yeah, so it covers your whole body. Because my image of a shield is... 
like yeah. a circle, but it'd be the yeah. big ones that they, like the Roman centurions yeah. and all that would have fought with. Like, and they were known for that. Like they got together with their shields and it was like an impenetrable wall. Yeah. That you couldn't break through. So yeah. yeah, it's a shield that protects your whole body. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, like in that, like there is like this very clear illusion, like where are these arrows coming from? There's obviously yeah. another side to mm. this battle. Yeah. You know, there is this passage. So, and then what's the next? Take the helmet of salvation. Yeah. We kind of jumped into that one. The yeah. idea, yeah. And then protecting your, your mind. Yeah. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then, and then I didn't read this part. That's it. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Mm. And then it keeps going about prayer. Pray also for me that wherever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of God for which I'm ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. So he, he ties in with prayer. We, we, we put our armour on so that mm. we can pray. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Hmm. That's how, how, is that, how is that different to just praying? Is that just like a dramatic way to say pray? I think it could be. Oh, because Jesus talks about the Spirit coming, we'll worship in Spirit and truth. Yep. And so I think it's this... I, I see it the way of Paul saying you're praying in line with the will of God. Mm -hmm. The Spirit's helping... Because Paul talks about the Romans, you know, the spirit, the spirit will pray for us, groans and mutterings. Sure. If we don't have the words. And that's how I see it. It's like you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying along in the, the will of God. Mm. But, you know, there probably could be people out there who connect in with the Spirit and pray in tongues and mm. not dismissing that. But I think primarily we be praying with what God's will wants. And what, does your Bible have... Um, Praying the Spirit of a big capital S. Ooh, that's a good question. 18. Let me see. Because mine does. So obviously, the the translators have gone. That's pray in the Spirit, like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, mine yeah. does is too. Be uh, mine says. Because I got the older NIV here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, mine like says. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But yeah, it is capitalized. I mean, I am just probably even the same NIV version. Let me quickly look up this six eighteen Ephesians six eighteen. Because uh, for those at home, in the original Greek, there was no. It was all just capitals. Yeah, so it was all it capitals. It was, so, every single thing was capitals. So yeah, you're, you're making an interpretation about is this because. Um, Humor. That's how you say it in Greek. It's been a while since I've. Mm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, it just means spirit, and it can mean like spirit, like human spirit, or God's spirit, or. Yeah. So pretty much every translation that I'm like going through, like I'm talking about like New American Standard, yeah. New King James, um, the English Standard mm. Version, New Living Translation. They all capitalize spirit. There you go. Just interesting. Mm. Praying God's spirit. There you go. So on all occasions. Okay, so hmm. I, I got a question for you that I yeah. should probably know myself. <laughs> what was written first, the letter to the Ephesians or Revelation? Uh, depends on. <laughs> <laughs> depends on your view, Murray. If you believe that uh, Revelation was written before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD seventy, so but the the overriding consensus is Revelation is written last. In okay. 91, 92 AD. Okay, so Revelation's written after yep. Ephesians. So 
when John is is writing about Jesus pulling this this sword mm. out of his mouth like some crazy you know divine <laughs> yeah, yeah, circus yeah. performer but it's like this idea of the sword being the word yes is he probably riffing on, on this idea maybe is there yeah, other allusions to the sword being the word in yeah the I imagine so we could, we could um well if Paul's he'd be referring to the Old Testament somewhere we can how about just do a quick Google search yeah and see yeah do, let's Jesus. do a quick Google search so let's see sword word Bible Old yeah. Testament Jesus sword. It's a good thing about Google is you just um Oh, I mean there's like the Hebrews four twelve, but that that's yeah, an, yeah, another yeah. New Testament sort of The sword of the word is sharper than any double edged sword. Ooh. This is interesting, Isaiah 11.4. Okay. Um, it says, He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, mm. and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. That's interesting, because mm. we're talking about this Isaiah sort of... Hey, we've, we've jumped back to Isaiah a few times. I feel today. like maybe this Ephesians... Isaiah 11 is uh, like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, we, we mentioned about the, the wolf and the lamb living together totally. and all that. and yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I reckon that's definitely that seems like a correlation mm. there as well. Fascinating stuff. So, like, I think what what we're kind of seeing here is Paul is riffing on a deep sort mm. of wealth of of biblical imagery and allusions. Right. Here, here we go. I found one here. This is Isaiah forty two nine. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the Ooh. shadow of his hand, he hid me. He makes me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. Ooh, okay. So I wonder if there's a bit more like riffing off. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I like that. And I think yeah, that yeah. like, I think this idea that it's it's woven throughout the entirety of the Bible is this really like beautiful illusion mm. that keeps on coming back. So because oh. even the word rod, like it's not sword, but similar, like a sword and a rod, obviously have a similar outcome, which sure. is to yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's sort of like so it's a word. So like, mm. that's definitely what Revelation is talking about Jesus, like this sword coming from his mouth. It's mm. not, it's a metaphor describing just the power of Jesus' word that it can bring death. Mm. It has authority to it. So. Super cool. Mm. Well, mm. look, I reckon that we've had a lot to, to, to look at today, but I just mm. want to kind of finish off by maybe just just praying together now mm. in the spirit just to mm-hmm. wrap it up. Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately it's one of those things where it's been cool today <laughs> to recognise how when you kind of just start riffing and meditating and thinking about mm. things, how new things start to like yeah. bubble to the surface. That's really cool as well. Yeah. I love those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's quickly pray. Mm. God, I just thank you so much uh, for this time that we were able to chat today and for the people listening. But God, I I thank you that we are in a spiritual battle and that, yeah, you are our king that we follow into battle. Lord, I thank you for the sword of the word which you um, have made so accessible for us today. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we would not be complacent um, or apathetic in um, the power that your word holds. Lord, may we daily uh, 
be dedicated to re-putting on the entire armor that Paul talks about and in that be able to serve you fully in the spiritual battle of uh, yeah, walking faithfully and following you wherever you take us. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that we are equipped with your armor to stand firm on that day. And it's not in our strength that we do that. We do it through the strength that Jesus has given us. And we thank you that as we look at your word and we see it's just deep mysteries that we don't comprehend. But we do know this, that you sent Jesus Christ mm. um, to die for our sins, that he conquered the serpent and that we see at the end of revelation that one day you will return and there will be no more sea there will be no more night evil will be defeated it is thrown away into the pit and lord as we just live um as disciples of you each and every day we make a decision to follow after you and lord i just pray that we can drown out the voice of the evil one mm. we just Jesus, you tell us that to rob a house, you need to bind up the strong man. So mm. we pray that you bind up the strong man in our lives, Lord, as we yeah. seek to uh, serve you in the kingdom of light, to see the kingdom of God come, that the powers of darkness will fight against that. But as your word says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome. Mm. And so we thank you for that. We just pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.